God had already kind of placed a word on my heart the last week that I kind of just jotted down in my notes. Periodically, the Lord will just kind of put something on my heart, and I'll just write it down and mark it as a possibility or one day. And I remember I marked this one. Next time I speak on Sunday, this is what I'll speak on. I didn't realize it would be a few days later, but uh, I do believe this is a word from the Lord because uh, speaking of those ready in season, out of seasons, I feel like we're constantly going in and out of season, especially in Chicago. You can have all four in one day of just going in and out of seasons. And I mean, here's the truth. Summer's not even over, and we're already seeing Halloween stuff, Christmas stuff. Costco had Christmas decorations in August already set up. I mean, we are in such a hurry to go into the next season that sometimes we don't ever even get to appreciate the season we're in. And the truth is, Some of us are are, are ready to jump into new seasons, but new seasons aren't always easy to go into. You know, I know some of you parents, you can't wait for school to start because your kids can go into that new season and and you don't have to worry about entertaining them all day. But for many of our students, this new season's scary. It's a new class. It's a new school, possibly. Even some of our seniors now going into college and going away from home for the first time. That, That season is terrifying. Or maybe you're starting a new job and it feels like you're going to a new school all over again and you feel like the new kid in the class and there's this awkward feeling and everyone knows where to go and you're still trying to navigate your day. Maybe you're joining a new ministry and, and, and this is kind of the first time you've been involved and everyone else seems to know exactly what they need to do and everyone seems like experts and you feel utterly inadequate and unprepared. But this might even be a new church for you. And there's parts of your old church that you miss and you're starting to adjust and you're trying to figure out and you don't really know anybody and everybody already seems so friendly, but they all know each other. And and so there's this little bit of awkwardness going into that new season. And I mean, for me personally, if you've been here uh, any uh, number of weeks, you've already heard that my wife and I are entering into a new season in our relationship where now we're adding a child and we're becoming parents. and, 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 And by the way, Just a little PSA, a little public service announcement for everybody. I know we're not going to sleep. You don't have to constantly tell me every, oh, I can't wait till you can't sleep at night. I I get that. I understand that. But there has almost been not one parent who hasn't looked at another parent and is like, he's going to not sleep. And I'm like, we get it. I'm not going to sleep. I I totally understand that, you know, stuff's going to happen. And you know what freaks me out? You almost cherish that. Like, you're like, you will suffer like I did. And it's like, why are you being so mean to me? <laughs> like, you know, I feel like I always encounter people who want to warn you about new seasons. And not warn you, but like scare you. They always want to tell you how terrifying things are. I remember even when we were just engaged and we are getting ready to get married. And they're like, well, you know, uh, just enjoy the honeymoon season. Because then, you know, reality is going to hit in. And, and you're going to have fights. And you're going to go through this. And you're going to can't. You're not going to stand each other. And I'm like, I still feel great. Like, I, I'm, I, I never accepted that. I never, you know, waited for that. Because here's the deal. Whether it was getting married and, and the honeymoon stage or having this child and not being able to sleep or entering into this new ministry when I was a new pastor. Like, whatever season I came into, it had its own worries. I didn't want to add my own fear to it. I didn't want to go into a new season, and I still don't want to go into a new season with a spirit of fear. See, I want to know, and especially, listen, if you're gone through a season and you see somebody going into it, instead of warning them and telling them all the bad things, 
take time to encourage them. Like if you're, if you're a parent and, and you're wanting to give me parent advice, don't tell me about how horrible it is. Because honestly, it just makes it sound like you hate your kid. <laughs> That's honestly what it sounds like. It's, oh, they'll never shut up. They'll never leave you alone. Do you even like them? Like, is this your kid? Listen, tell me how much you love this season. Tell me how excited you are for me that I'm about to experience. Tell me that, yes, you're not going to be able to sleep because they're going to cry all night. But when they finally fall asleep, there's going to be a part of you that wants to wake them up. You know, tell me about that moment where part of why you can't sleep is because you stay up just staring at them because you're just so marveled that you could ever love somebody as much as you love that. I want to hear those stories. I want to know about that kind of stuff, you know. I don't want to hear about all the bad things. Tell me about how much you love your spouse and how great that journey is. Tell me about, you know, the, the benefits of this new ministry that you got involved in and how much it's enriched your life. Like if we could start to tell people stories of the good things. I mean, we all know they're bad things. Honestly, we're experts at creating our own bad scenarios. We're already good at figuring out how horrible everything's going to lay out. But we got to stop entertaining the spirit of fear because I think we need to have a different spirit. Like a certain man in the Bible by the name of Caleb. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, before we uh, found out that we were going to have a girl, we had a boy and a girl name. And the boy name that we had planned to have is Caleb. And the reason uh, we wanted to call him Caleb and, and the thing that stuck in my heart and should the Lord tarry and he gift us with another child that turns out to be a boy, I still feel like that's going to be his name because of this verse. Numbers chapter 14 verse 24 says this about Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land in which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Let me read that again. Be, but my servant Caleb, why? Because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. This different spirit is what I want to talk to you about this morning. For those of you who might be new to your Bible, let me give you some backstory on what God is referring to when he's talking about Caleb and this different spirit. Uh, this is uh, uh, just after Israel had been set free from Egypt. They had been slaves there for generations. And uh, God sends Moses to set his people free. And there's all these miracles that happen just in the setting free of God's people. And so uh, they're in the desert, in the wilderness, going towards the promised land, this land that God had promised their ancestors. And they get to the threshold of the promised land. They're right about to go in. And Moses has this great idea. Now, I say great idea because it wasn't a God idea. Sometimes we can have great ideas that aren't God ideas. You know, the Bible tells us there are ways that seem right to a man, but in the end lead to death. And so Moses, does, not instructed by God, not told by God, but just in his own mind thinks, hey, you know what, it'd be a good idea if we sent some spies out into the promised land to survey it and give us a report so we know what we're dealing with. And again, in our mindset, that seems good. Like, okay, yeah, you should check it out. You know, go to an open house before you purchase it. You know, things like that. You should kind of get your information down. But God never told him to do that. God said, I promised you this land. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what happens. This is the land that I promised you. And that should have been enough for the people of Israel. And yet they send out 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And uh, 40 days later, these 12 spies return. 10 out of the 12 give a bad report. 
10 out of the 12 say there's no way. This is horrible. Like, yes, it has everything that God said it would have, but there's giants in there and, and there's walls around these cities and there's just no way we're going to be over to overcome it or be able to overcome it. 10 out of the 12, the only two who said, yes, we can do it, the only two with a different spirit were a man named Joshua, who later became the leader of Israel, and a man named Caleb, who was a man with a different spirit. This different spirit, I believe, is echoed by Paul's instruction to Timothy several thousand years later. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul reminds Timothy of this, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When we read about Caleb and Joshua, you see that different spirit at work in them, that spirit of power, love, and self-control. So let's go back to Caleb and Joshua. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14. This is going to be the main context of what we're going to walk through today because I want you to understand and see the difference between a spirit of fear and the Holy Spirit. Numbers 14, verse 1 through 11, the Bible says this, then the whole community began weeping out loud. This is after they got the report of what the land was like. And they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh. I guess how you say Jephunneh. You read it. They tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done for them? I don't think that this is unique to the people of Israel. I think God sometimes wonders the same thing about you and I today. How long are you going to hold me in contempt after everything I've already done for you? Why do you continue to struggle with a spirit of fear when I gave you a spirit of power, love, and self-control? And so I want to walk through those dichotomies, those differences real quick. And if you're taking notes, the first one you want to look at is that the spirit of fear brings weakness. If the Holy Spirit brings power, then the spirit of fear brings weakness. See, fear can often petrify you, can keep you in your place, stop you before you ever get started. You ever had that situation where there's a, a new position opening up, a, an area to advance at work, and there's a party that says, man, I should apply for that, and it's fear that says, nah, they'll never pick you. <laughs> there's other people that are more qualified. There's other people who have got seniority over you. They'll, they'll, don't even bother. They'll never pick you. That's fear. 
that keeps you in that position. It is fear that keeps you from joining the ministry that God has gifted you to be a part of. You know, uh, maybe you have this amazing voice and, and God is gifting you and, and the shower thinks you're wonderful, but no one has ever heard you outside of that. And so God is telling you, hey, I, I, I gave you that voice so that you can lead my people into worship so that you can honor me with my voice. But fear says, what if, what if my voice cracks when I'm singing? It happens a lot, honestly. Like we don't hear it because there's a nice harmony. But Voices crack, instruments don't play the right note, stuff happens, but in the midst of worship, nobody cares. But fear says, no, 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 what, what if I stumble, or, or, or what if I don't memorize the songs, or, or what if I can't play the right way, and, and, and fear keeps that gift bound and the enemy happy because the thing that God has given to you has been locked up because of a spirit of fear and nothing else. It is fear why you don't talk to people about Jesus. You know, we, we mask it with, with, well, I don't know a lot or, you know, or, you know that's not my gift or, or this or that. No, 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 no. Let's just be honest and let's call it what it is. You're afraid. You're afraid that they'll reject you. You're afraid that they'll mock you. You're afraid that now they'll hold you accountable to your faith. Because, listen, I'll tell you the truth. The people who hold me the most accountable are the ones who don't believe. The ones who look at me and say, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. This is supposed to be your standard because I hope that you're the real deal because I want to experience it too. But I'm looking at you and fear keeps your mouth shut because if I tell them about Jesus, now I have to live like Jesus. And honestly, I'm not really living like Jesus. And so the fear of being called out and exposed kind of keeps me quiet. God has called us to go out into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. But fear says... I'll just come to church every Sunday, and that should be enough. It's not enough. Not by a long shot. Fear prevents us from doing the very thing that God called us to do. And he takes this mighty warrior that God has placed in you, and it turns you into a weak and scared child. Listen, Numbers chapter 13. Listen to the people, verse 27 through 28. This is the report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. The, the Bible tells us earlier on that they almost couldn't carry the fruit because of how big it was. So they acknowledge, they, they're honest. Like, yes, what God said, absolutely true. Everything that God has spoken to us is spot on. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Anak. They forgot how big their God was because all they could see was how big the enemy was. They saw themselves as weak, as weak because they forgot how powerful God is. The African impala can jump to a height of 10 feet and cover a distance greater than 30 feet on one leap. Think about that. And the African impala can jump 10 feet and 30 feet across and one leap, yet these magnificent creatures are kept in an enclosure of a zoo by a three-foot wall. Why? Because an impala won't jump if it can't see where it'll land. So even though any day it wanted to, it could leap out of its captivity, it refuses to simply because of the fear of not knowing where it will land. I wonder how many of us are bound down in weakness, are held in captivity in our sin because we're too scared to leap only because we don't know where we're going to land. Even though God is 100% sure where you're going to land. See, the spirit of fear creates weakness. But the Holy Spirit 
gives power. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers you to do the very things you think you're not able to do. It is the Holy Spirit that gives you strength to overcome the fears that you're struggling with. Look at Caleb in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. It says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Look at the confidence. Look at the boldness in Caleb. All these other people are giving these bad reports, and Caleb's like, shut up, shut up, come on, God said we can do it. Let's do it right now, let's go. He's trying to rally the people. Why? Because he's filled with a different spirit. See, the spirit of power says there's no way we could buy that building next door and renovate it. We don't have the money. We don't have, the bank doesn't want to sell it. We've gone through it for four years. There's no way that's going to happen. But the spirit of power understands that the power doesn't come from us but it comes from the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit promised it, then the Holy Spirit will deliver it. You see, we got a role in that kind of power. There's not a day that I stand in a pulpit and preach before any group of people where there isn't fear in me. It's not the confidence that I have in myself. It's the confidence that I have in the Spirit within me. That I say, God, I don't know what I'm going to say and I don't know how I'm going to say it. But, Lord, I pray, give me the right things to say at the right time. And I've talked with many pastors, and I'll tell you, there's almost, there's never been one that has told me anything other than that. That every time they come up, there's still this fear, and yet there's confidence. Why? Because the spirit of power is greater than the spirit of fear in me. We need to move in the spirit of power. We need to understand greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right? Yes, yes, they, they looked at their enemies. They looked at their giants. They looked at the fortified cities. And they said, compared to what we have in and of ourselves, there's no way we can do it. And yet, they forgot about the God who parted the Red Sea and broke them out of Egypt. The God who already defeated the greatest army of their time. The God who provided food for them in the wilderness and fire for them at night. Why does God say, how long will you hold me in contempt after all the miraculous things I've done? Because he's looking at what he's already done. He says, how can that not be proof enough for you to see what I'm going to do in this promised land? The spirit of fear builds that up. So Caleb is trying to rally the people. And you would think that people would go, yeah, he's right. God's with us. Let's do it. But no, they do the opposite. And as a matter of fact, they get mad at Caleb. And here's what I've discovered. When you are gripped by the spirit of fear and you encounter the Holy Spirit, it oftentimes creates anger or even hatred. If you're taking notes, number two, the spirit of fear breeds hate. The spirit of fear breeds hate. Fear is why racism seems to be growing and not declining. Fear is why hate is one of those words that we use uh, to describe other groups of people and other aspects. It's why we struggle with hateful politics, why people run into crowds and shoot. Hate is what fills the heart. Hate is why we're reluctant to go to church out of fear of being hurt again like the last time. And so you see people who have this hatred in them towards that. I remember this one time I had uh, gone to uh, preach at some schools in the UK and I had been doing some assemblies and uh, by the end of the week, 90 kids had given their life to the Lord, and there was this whole kind of uh, just 
turn around type things going in school. Like, we really flipped that place upside down. And there was all these comments being made on social media. And, and a lot of people approached us with hatred. Why are you doing this? Why is that? I mean, just utter hatred. And I kind of was like, that's awesome. Like, I love the fact that you're that mad about this. And there's one kid, he decided to direct message me and tell me just how glad he was that he wasn't at school that week and how much he hated God and hated me. And, and he just went on and on, a whole page length of how much hatred he had towards me and towards God. And I responded kind of, hey, man, I'm sorry, you know, that you weren't there. I wish we could have spoken in person. I was really nice. At the end, I kind of threw a little jab real quick because at the end, I was like, hey, and by the way, um, I don't understand why you hate God so much. I have no issues with the Easter Bunny. Like, if you don't believe, why are you so mad about it? Like, it doesn't bug me. Well, that turned into a longer conversation. He and I spoke the entire day, and then I found out that he was hurt, that he was hurt by a lot of things that had gone in his life, and we found some common ground. And, and by the end of the day, we got to a point where we said, listen, I don't know if I can say that I believe in God yet, but I can tell you this. I, I really appreciate it. My eyes are open more to where I was when we first started talking. And I said, listen, that's all I can ask for because, listen, we got to overcome hate, not with hate, but with love. Listen, Numbers chapter 14, verse 9 through 10 says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb throwing rocks at them until they died. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appealed to all the Israelites in the tabernacle. See, Joseph and Caleb didn't throw stones back. They didn't start a fight. They weren't trying to hurt anyone. They tried to plead with them in love to not turn their backs on God. Martin Luther King famously said, returning hate for hate multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. It's only fitting then that if the spirit of fear creates hate, then the Holy Spirit gives love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 through 20 says it like this. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced the perfect love or his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? See, this is one of those things where uh, people who have called themselves Christian and yet publicly hate other groups of people or other, uh, you know, denominations or other just individuals, it bothers me so much because they paint this public picture that's not of God. They claim to be Christians when they can't be furthered from the definition. And God goes as far as to say, listen, that person who's making that claim, look at their life. That hatred that's building up tells you they are not mine. They're liars. Unfortunately, if you don't know the truth, then you'll always believe a lie. And those people will come across to an unbelieving world as who we're supposed to be. And maybe that's not their issue. Maybe it's because they haven't seen enough of us to know what it's supposed to look like. Maybe, again, it's that spirit of fear that has prevented them from seeing what real love looks like. Because love is an action, right? It's not just a 
a noun. Love is what we do. Love is how we treat people. Love is how we interact with individuals. Love is how we overcome hatred. So the next time somebody comes at you with hatred, don't talk about, well, I'm from Humble Park, yo. Like, I don't mess with, he disrespected me. <laughs> Man, Humble Park ain't even hood anymore. You can't claim that. <laughs> Gangbangers and little scooters, that ain't hood no more. <laughs> That don't have the cred you thought it had. <laughs> but that's what happens, right? We respond to hate with hate. We want to well up. We want to come back. We want to overcome. No, 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 no. The greatest way to defeat your enemy is to make them your friend. To love them through that. To say, listen, I don't understand the beef you got with me, but I'll tell you this, man, I love you. You know what I found? It's really awkward for somebody when they come at you with hatred and you respond with love. They're almost like, well, your mama, and you're like, you don't even know my mom, bro. <laughs> Listen, if we can learn to not react so quickly and to overcome it with love, it'll cover a multitude of sins. But wait, there lies in the problem. Because see, the spirit of fear not only causes hatred and not only causes you to, to have these uh, types of issues with people because you're frozen in your fear, but fear causes you to react. The spirit of fear becomes reactionary. This fight or flight mentality is a reaction. It's a, it's a bodily reaction. It's a spiritual reaction. It's a reaction that we have as a result of fear. We, we get emotional. We make rash decisions. That's why, like, if you're watching a scary movie and that person that's being chased runs up the stairs and you're like, no, Why? Why? You deserve to die. Why are you going up the stairs? It's it, because they're not thinking. They're reacting. It's a reactionary thing. It's easy for us from our couch to say what people should or shouldn't do. But oftentimes when the spirit of fear grips you, you tend to just simply react. And that happens in our regular life. We fear that our neighborhoods are getting too tough. And so what do we do? We move to the suburbs. It's reactionary. It's not what God told you to do. That's not what God led you to. We just have this mentality, well, it's nicer out there, it's better out there. No, I just said it a few minutes ago. Where do you think everyone from Hubble Park had to go? <laughs> right? It's just spreading out. So you think the suburbs are safe? Give it 10 years. Sorry. There is no safe place. The safest place in the world is where God called you to be. That is the safest place on the planet. So whether you're in the, the heart of the worst neighborhood in Chicago or, or you're in the nicest place in the Plain States, I don't know where you think you're going to be. But listen, God is the only safe place you can put your family. But we're reactionary. We, we, we see one incident. We, we hear one report on the news and, and we think, man, I got to do this and we got to make this change. And we got to make this switch. You have one fight in your marriage and suddenly you, you, you put a side account just in case he walks out. Just in case she starts having other ideas. You, you, you have a fight in your marriage and you're already thinking, man, if this doesn't work, who else can I get with? We start, we start having these plan Bs. Why? Because you're reacting. You get into it with your kids and you, you say things that are reactionary instead of realizing that you're fighting with a 10-year-old. And you just, you start saying things, and you don't think those things matter. But can I tell you something? You say something to a 10-year-old, that kid doesn't forget. There are things, there are issues, listen, there are issues you still have because what mom and dad said to you when you were eight years old. 
And it might have been a flippant thing. It might have been something they said in anger. It might have been just a reactionary thing, but it was out of fear. They were afraid of losing control. They were afraid of losing you. They were afraid of not knowing what to do. And so they reacted to the moment. We have to be careful about not reacting to the moment. Fear is what caused the, the stock market crash in 1929. The whole world fell apart financially. Why? Because people were afraid that stocks were falling. So everybody pulled their money out of the stock market and the whole thing crumbled. Why? Fear. <coughs> Fear is how terrorist groups control people, manipulate people. Fear is how other countries tear down other nations. Literally, how you tear down another nation. You drum up fear. You create fear on a social media platform. You create fear within the news. And this fear begins to well up and causes reactions. Reactions of hatred. Reactions of anger. There are reactionary aspects of it. Listen, Numbers 14, verses 2 through 4. Their voices rose, rose in great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. Think about that. They were slaves. And they're thinking it was better to die as a slave in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us out of the country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? They even plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. See, it's that spirit of fear that the first time you see something in this church you don't like, you know what, that whole God, let's go back to Egypt. Why? Because people hurt me. Well, God didn't. People are going to hurt you. Whether you're here or outside, it doesn't matter. We're all people. We're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we're going to do things without knowing we even did it. Which, by the way, I think it's unfair for you to be mad at somebody and not give them the right to tell them. You should at least give them an opportunity to make it right as opposed to, well, they should know. That is not a good excuse, okay? Babe, that is not a good excuse. You can't just say I should know. Just tell me what I did wrong and let me fix it, okay? But here's the deal. Like, we, we, we get reactionary, right? And the, and the church hurts us. And here's my favorite part, right? Oh, well, church is, is all full of clicks and gossip. That's three people in a church of 500 that you have an issue with. And you just labeled the whole church because those three people you didn't get along with or have issues with have now represented the entirety of Christ for you. That's not their issue, honestly. That's your issue. That is a spirit of fear that has enveloped you and has caused you to react. And some of you have been in a state of church hopping and church hopping and church hopping because you're looking for a perfect church and you forget that the second you walked in, you just ruined that church. <laughs> Was that, was that too honest? That was too honest. I'll back up on that one. Because listen, the irony here is that God's judgment over the people was exactly what they asked for. He sent them back into the wilderness for 40 years to wander aimlessly until that whole complaining generation died. He goes, you want to die in the wilderness? Fine, go die in the wilderness. That's what you really want? Go ahead. You know what the worst thing in the world God could ever do for you is give you what you want. You really want to be with them? Go ahead, be with them. Go be with them. You know they're not from me. You know I didn't call you to be in that relationship. You know that's not good for you. You know that doesn't bring you closer to me. But you really want it? Go ahead. 
Five years later when you're struggling because people cheated, people fought, people got into it, and you're wondering, why did God do this to me? God's like, I didn't do that to you. I didn't ask you to get into that. Now, I'll help you now that you've made that commitment. Yeah, we're going to work through it. I'm, God is willing to adjust and turn all things that are wrong for the good. He's willing to work that out. But don't be mad at him because you got what you wanted. Listen, we need to be careful. He sent them back into wilderness to wander until that generation died off. He gave them a new leader like they were asking for. The difference was <coughs> God didn't respond to their fear for their children. He responded to their fear. He said, our children will be plundered. And God's like, not your children, just you. Your children, I'll take care of them. I'll bring them. But you, you're going to die off. Their new leader, Joshua, would be the one to lead their kids into the promised land. They had a spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear caused them to hate, to complain, to become angry, to become reactionary. And ultimately, it cost them the land that God promised to them. We struggle sometimes because God is willing to give it to you, but you're too impatient, too angry. I say this all the time when I'm dealing with my youth group. You have no idea how funny it is to watch a 12-year-old suffer because they'll never find the one. And they're like, oh, she broke up with me. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you still have Pokemon cards. Like, <laughs> That's funny. There's 30-year-olds in this room. You still got your Pokemon cards. <laughs> But it's like, dude, it's not the end of the world. Like, you're, you're, you're just, you think it's never going to happen. Don't worry about that. Too many of us are on this fictional timeline in our heads that if we don't make it at a certain time, if we don't do it at a certain time, that it will never happen. Listen, when I read the Bible, God loves to make us wait because we have that mentality. God's just like, mm, 40 more years. It's like, why? So that that spirit of fear can die off. I, it takes 40 years for that spirit of fear to die off. You know what that means? Sometimes it takes a whole generation to go away before the new generation takes on a new attitude. You know, sometimes it takes a whole generation of religiosity for a new generation to rise up with the Holy Spirit. It takes a whole generation of complaining to go away for a new generation that loves the Lord to come in. See, it's the Holy Spirit that doesn't have a reactionary spirit, but is a spirit of self-control. Again, let's look at Caleb. Caleb was patient. He trusted God wholeheartedly, and as a result, he never panicked. How do we know? Well, if you go on to read the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, verse 7 through 8, listen to what the word says. I was 40 years old. This is Caleb speaking. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me were frightened. I'm sorry, the brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, again, let me remind you. As punishment, God sends them all back into the wilderness until that whole generation dies off, all right? Once that whole generation dies off, the only exception were going to be Joshua and Caleb, and then they would come in. So for over 40 years, they had been wandering in this desert. And then we go on to here in verse 10. Again, Caleb speaking. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made the promise, even while in Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old, and I am as strong now as I won when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. I, I would love to meet 85-year-old Caleb 
85-year-old kind of boy, I, am, I will still whoop you, boy. Like, this this mentality, like, don't get in my face. I'm 85 years old, and I killed him then, and I'll kill you now. Like, just this mentality. Listen, there are some of us that we think our older age is some kind of we've retired from our spiritual journey. It's like, well, you know, I've already done my part. I've already served. I already did children. I've already done that. Well, are you saying there's nothing left for you to do? Because with all due respect, that's the moment I think we need to go to the Lord. Like literally be with him. Because if there's nothing left for me to do on this earth, I want to go home. If there's nothing left for me to do on this earth, then call me home. But if there is breath in my life, I want to be 90 years old on my bed going, come here. Come here. Let me tell you about this sermon I did when I was in my 30s. <laughs> Papa, we heard this sermon. No, no, come here. It's, it's different, I swear. Come here. Did you ever hear the twinkle, twinkle little star? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I want to have generations that are still being poured in. Because if the Lord has kept me alive, he's kept me alive to do something. Listen, seniors in this room, those of you who are a little older and you think my time has passed. No, it is not. We still need you. We need your wisdom. We need your understanding. We need your passion. We need to see that even in your elder years, you still love the Lord as much as you did when you first got saved. We don't want to hear how messed up this generation is. We want to hear how great yours was. You know, we don't want to hear all the other complaints. We want to know, man, tell me your stories. And I'll tell you, for me, I love surrounding myself with an older generation. I want to hear the stories. I want to know what you went through. I, I want to see what it's like. Uh, I'm just fascinated by things because the history books aren't enough for me. I want to hear your story. See, maybe there are some areas in your life where you just think it's past. And listen, it doesn't just mean the, the, the older generation. There's some you've been waiting on a promise for a long time and you're just kind of throwing your hands up. The fact that Caleb could still fight tells me something. He was training and preparing for the day when he would walk in the promised land. He didn't just wander for 40 years and think, well, there he goes. You guys ruined my chance. I was right there. I could have gone right in. And all these, no, he didn't complain. Probably because he knew what happened to the first complainers. I ain't saying 40, I ain't saying nothing. No, I'm, I'm just here. I'm with it. Like, whatever. But I can imagine Caleb in the wilderness, push-ups, flexing. Papa Caleb, what are you doing? I'm getting ready. Because God's going to complete his promise. That's my Lord. I know he's going to do it. And I'm going to be ready. Why? Because I don't react. There's self-control. And when you have self-control, when you have the spirit of self-control, and, and, and you're sitting there going, man, the schools, they're, they're, I can't send my kids to public schools anymore because, you know, I don't, they're going to warp their mind. Listen, I love my daughter. I want to train my daughter in such a way that I won't protect her from the schools. I'll unleash her on the schools. I want to unleash my daughter into the schools, and I want her to transform the schools. I don't want to be scared that the school is going to transform her. I don't want to be reactionary to that. I want to have self-control and know that the Lord has guided us for such a time as this, and we will go into the wilderness and do what God called us to do, if only because God called us to do it. Self-control stops you from making hasty decisions. Self-control says, listen, I had an issue in this church, but instead of running to the next church, let me resolve 
my issue. Let me do everything I can, as the Bible tells me, to reconcile with my brother and sister. Let me bring it before the church. Let me work on this. Let me fix my attitude because God has called me for such a time as this. And until the Lord calls me somewhere else, I'm not leaving where God has called me because faithfulness is probably the most faith you could ever have. And so we need to learn, listen, I can't keep allowing fear to cause me to react. And maybe there are some of you here that you've been reacting recklessly simply because you've had a spirit of fear in you. Worship team, if you can help me out. So as we get ready to close, I wondered as I was writing this, maybe some of you here are about to enter or have entered a new season in life. It might be like my wife and I, where we're first becoming parents, and there's things that scare us, obviously, and there's things that we're not prepared for. And if it was up to me, the baby would just be in my hands already. I don't want to have to go through the scariness of delivery and, and the hospital and all that. But I trust my God. Maybe there's some of you, it's, you've been considering buying a new home, and, and you're struggling with where you're going to purchase it. Maybe some of you are going into a new school or you're going off to start college or you're going into high school and there's this fear of, I just don't know how it's going to work out and, and I don't know who my friends are going to be. And No matter what season you're going to, this morning I want to pray. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will remind you of who you are and what's in you. Going back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, listen to what Paul says and how he says it. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I love how he says it. And let me remind you to fan that gift, to fan that spirit. You know, we're getting into that bonfire season. And the quickest way for a fire to die is neglect. When you neglect the Holy Spirit, it's no wonder that its power, that love, its self-discipline begins to dwindle in your heart. The quickest way to let a fire die is to neglect it. But when you get to fan it, and I love, I love bonfire. There's always one guy or girl who feels like it's their responsibility to keep the fire alive. And they just keep bringing wood and they, it's like they have gasoline. You're like, dude, you're going to kill us. Like... We're only going to be here another hour, and you're setting a fire for three days. But they're like, no, no, it's cool. And they keep fanning it. Listen, some of us, we need to sit down with our spiritual fire that Pastor talked about last week. And understand that just because you were on fire last Sunday doesn't mean that fire lasted until today. That you need to take the responsibility to fan into flame the gift that God has given you. To remind yourself that you don't walk with a spirit of fear but with the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And if you find yourself hating people, if you find yourself struggling and being reactionary, if you find yourself struggling and petrified in fear, fan into flame the Holy Spirit that's been in you. Ask the Lord, God, I need a fresh outpouring. I need more of your presence. I find myself drifting, God. I want more of you in my life. So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. And I'm going to ask you right where you're at, would you just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray for everyone in just a minute. 
But before I do, I just want to make sure, sir, ma'am, you might be here. And part of the reason why you have a spirit of fear is because you don't know the spirit of God. You've never made a commitment to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, you can't have a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline if you don't have him. And I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One that rushes off all fear. So if you're here, sir, ma'am, I'm just going to ask you with every head bow, every eye closed, if you've never made that decision and you want to make that decision before we leave, if you, as I was speaking, felt something just kept knocking at the door of your heart, I want to remind you that that was the Lord. And now is your opportunity to respond to that. I'm not going to have you move around or call you out. I just want to know who you are so we can pray with you. If there's anyone here, would you just signal me by lifting up your hand so that I know who you are. If there's anyone here that's a pastor, that's me. Amen, brother. If I can get to my prayer workers, I have a, a, a man over there. Maggie. Anyone else says, that's me. Just keep your hand up until one of my workers comes by. And they're going to walk you through these next steps. But for everyone else, I just want to pray. If you're in this room right now and you're entering into a new season, or maybe you've already been in the midst of a new season and you've been struggling with this fear that we've talked about, I want to pray for you as well. Would you just signal me by lifting up your hand if you want to be included in that prayer? If you've just been struggling with a new season, new job, new school, new stage in life, new stage in your family's life, whatever it is, if you just need the power of the Holy Spirit, a fresh and anew to comfort you, to drive out fear, just keep your hand up as we pray. Heavenly Father, you see every hand that is raised, God. Lord, you see every hand that struggles with fear, that struggles with doubt, Lord, that has allowed the spirit of fear to cause hatred, Lord, hatred of, of where they're at, hatred of what they're doing, hatred of who they're with. You've, they've allowed the spirit of fear to, to make them react, to, to make them want to just run away and leave, God. They've allowed the spirit of fear to prevent them and make them weak when you have called them to be strong. So, God, I pray, let your Holy Spirit overcome them now. Lord, baptize them afresh and anew. Fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that they may experience its wonder, that they may understand that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. Fill them afresh and anew, God. Pour out your Spirit, young and old, God. Allow us to experience your presence in a way that we've never experienced, God. And, Lord, I pray for everyone else in this room, Lord. Father, we may not be going into that new season just yet. But Lord, help us to fan into flame so that the moment where we approach that threshold, just as the Israelites approach that threshold, we won't fear, we won't send spies in because we trust you, because we know that you have given it to us. And we will hold on because that spirit has been fanned into flame in our hearts, God. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for this precious reminder. But Lord, I pray, remind us again tomorrow. Remind us again on Tuesday. Remind us again on Wednesday and Thursday, every day of our lives, God. Remind us of who we are and the spirit we have within us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And the whole church said, amen. Amen. Would you give God praise?